Welcome to Doctorate, the podcast of PhD candidates in the humanities and the social sciences at the University of Vienna. This is the place for communication and discussion about issues surrounding us in the world of science. We address the what's, why's and how's of our work and invite researchers from different disciplines to explore topics and ideas they and we deeply care about. Welcome to the sixth episode of Doctorate. Today we're going to talk about something that I think everyone can relate to here, a topic perhaps that is often considered in a negative way, but something ultimately that can give us a great opportunity to grow. Um, we're going to talk about setbacks. And uh, setbacks is something I know we can all relate to as we've been dealing with the pandemic for the past three years. So with me to talk about the ups and downs of their PhD journey throughout this time are Martin, who's a sociologist doing a PhD on the topic of emerging adulthood, and Angelina, who's an art historian doing a PhD on oriental costumes from the 17th century. Is that correct? It is. Great. Welcome to you both. So um, what stage of your PhD are you in? Yes, I would say like 60% that uh, during the COVID I was uh, doing my state of the art. I was reading like a lot of books. Now I've put it all together and will go right into the empirical part. Nice. What about you, Angelina? Yeah, so COVID has messed up my plan a lot. Right. So it's difficult to say what stage you're exactly. in. <laughs> yes. Uh, so um, COVID hit and I guess all of the plans that you guys had in your head, I think for all of us, sort of uh, exploded <laughs> and uh, we were all stuck for a while, right? So, uh, Martin, would you like to share with us how you might have been stuck because of COVID? Uh, in my case, it's like a bit special because I get like burnout in the lane late 2019. And before the pandemic, I was pretty damaged still. And I was like starting my therapy two weeks before the first lockdown. So I was like stuck uh, yeah, in the lockdown. But for me, it was pretty good because I needed really to slow down in general and keep regeneration. And there was something what I needed at the time. So I appreciate pretty much that I don't have to travel and can do some like my work from my uh, home office. And yeah, that's it. Yeah. Nice. How about you, Angelina, when we speak about being stuck? Uh, yeah, for me, it was pretty difficult because um, all my, a lot of my research material is actually abroad in the Netherlands. Um, the archives were closed, the museums were closed, and I'm, you know, following a more object-based approach, which, yeah, was a big setback for me. But then I kind of didn't have any other choice than to read and, you know, look for material that I can use for my project and really think about that and the research um, design. And yeah, so I had to kind of look for other um, alternatives, alternatives yeah. and um, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, that sounds actually quite positive in the face of a lot of negativity and, uh, and a big challenge there. So what were your sort of initial feelings at the beginning when you first learned about, well, that you couldn't go there physically, right? So what was... Oh, I was frustrated. I was so frustrated. But then, I mean, I also learned from it. So to, you know, deal with... Um, setbacks and things that didn't work out as planned so you kind of 
try to think of alternatives or also mental health wise to not, you know, let it come too close to you, um, but instead to find other solutions to cope mm -hmm. with the situation because, I mean, we were all faced with so much uncertainty and, yeah, it was a weird, weird time. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it sounds to me one of the main things uh, from our previous conversation also was that maybe you were waiting around a lot to see what comes next, like when, let's say, when the next lockdown is going to be over or whatever. So it seems like there was a lot of waiting and a lot of uh, things being postponed. Um, do you have any experience with this, Martin? So I would say the the thing that I postpone the most is like the concert of Every Loving because I'm waiting already three years to get to the <laughs> concert. It's like every year they postpone it to the next one. But in general, I don't really feel this kind of like postponed problems because I'm like not founded. So I don't have any deadline to my PhD. So I just like have the time to do the stuff that I'm interested in, really like go into the deep, read the books, uh, get like really into the state of the art. So there was like not much uh, stuff that I have to postpone. But I also have to say that I was lucky that at the time I don't have to do my empirical part because if I had to do so, it wasn't be able to do. Because I would like to go on the universities and make their like short interviews with the students that are like present on in the universities and that wouldn't be able to do. Mm -hmm. And how about in your case, because uh, like you said, that uh, you would have needed to go to archives and so on, right? And you weren't able to do that. So this postponing must have affected you quite, quite badly, right? Yes, absolutely. So one of the major things that happened was the Rijksmuseum Summer School, which would have granted me access to um, new research methods, analytical ones and object-based ones. Um, so this would have been perfect. And um, I already applied during my master's and finally was accepted um, in the first year of my PhD. But um, it got postponed. They were thinking of turning it into a winter school instead. Um, that got cancelled as well. And yeah, it finally happened this summer in 2022. And it was amazing. I had a great experience. I got to know a lot of interesting people and um, methods to really, you know, do object-based research. But it was frustrating um, when I found out that it got postponed several times due to COVID. And, you know, you plan, you can't really plan. You have to cancel everything again. So, yeah, you kind of deal with a lot of <laughs> frustrating issues. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think this this probably sounds very familiar to our audience as well, because we've all experienced some sort of, of uh, pushback from this. So maybe the question arises, then, what do you do during this time that you're waiting? You know, um, how did you guys deal with it? Like Martin? Well, Martin, how did you deal with waiting for Avril Lavigne concert? <laughs> Well, it's like really hard to say because I, I, I haven't been waiting like during the time because I was like do, as I said before, my uh, like state of the art work. So, yeah. So from the like part of research, I haven't been waiting. I was been waiting during the time, um, may mostly because of like my psychical and physical also like health issue that I would like driven to work and to do the stuff and I was stressed that I can't do this and that's something which likes call me really down 
and what was also necessary because like before the COVID in general, I was like running the one task next to the other one to make like career and, you know, fitness and everything together. And that was like too much. And the waiting part was like, yeah, just like holding me and you, you need to really like keep down. And that was what I needed and what I think general people need in today's society because we are all like running and that's we need to like keep it in the balance yeah and it almost helped you get grounded again i guess yeah right? that's the right point like get grounded yeah yeah nice yeah i think i can also relate to that martin um that i was really forced to um you know find other things to do like um, state of the art um, read a lot find material objects online instead of you know going to museums so maybe there was also um, a good slowdown. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it, it really seems like a, a little bit of an opportunity uh, rather than a setback if, if we talk about it this way, right? Yeah, I mean, yes, but also no, because I'm so, you know, object-based that I really need to see and also want to see the paintings, the textiles, and it's such a big difference and um, also the experience is very important how you really engage with those objects. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, so um, so from what I understand, you there was a lot of um, online museum tours, was that what, what you were saying? So moving yeah. from in situ to online as one of the options. So how was that for you? Yeah, so I mean, not... All the museums um, put their exhibitions online, but luckily there were some that were interesting for me and they did like online tours. It was nice because um, we didn't have this before that much, but at the same time, a lot of the experience gets lost as well. And yeah, there was a bit of a shame, but at least, you know, that was the only thing we had and I was grateful for that. I guess. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I was also. I can also say that in my subject, like in the sociology or generally in social scientists, there was also like a lot of digital side, which makes me the work like in the stage of research that I was at the time pretty easier. That I don't have to go like to the library, but I can like download everything and search with Control F <laughs> what I need like in five minutes and not like go half hour to the library. So that was like also like positive impact. But I would say, as you said uh, before that every change gives you some opportunities and some clothes and we just need to go like on the wave that the change uh, is. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I also think that especially in art history, you know, it's very traditional and not a lot of things are digitized. I think that also had an, an impact on a situation where much more books um, were also scanned and, and so that was actually um, a very good um, advantage that we have due to COVID. Mm -hmm. but I also, I would say that from one side, I talk like, yeah, it was like cool <laughs> during the COVID. But from another side, if I had to do this like empirical part at the time, that would be like horrible for me. That I would need like to change the methods. And I have also like a lot of friends which can't travel, uh, like you said, uh, also like in the social sciences, they can't like do the interview like real in the persons which affect also, I will not say the quality, but the way how you are doing your research. And yeah, it was the conditions that we are on in. <laughs> Absolutely. I think it it's really like um, 
different from what stage in your PhD are you in? Um, because, I mean, you know, for the reading phase, it was okay. Um, I mean, of course, I would have loved to see the objects, um, but I was also thinking about changing my methodology and that would have been like a crisis, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know how it was for you guys, but um, I started my PhD in the middle of the pandemic. So um, I guess I would say I don't really have any other experience other than the pandemic, right? So uh, the biggest thing for me to get my head around at the beginning was moving from this uh, Uh, meetings and conferences and everything being in person to going to online and that was uh, quite an interesting experience let's say. Um, did you guys uh, also experience this um, and uh, is there any way that perhaps you guys could compare like before the pandemic and after uh, during the pandemic? I would say that uh, if you like give me the question now so I would say just spontaneously that the COVID professionalized the way how we do science bit and somehow it makes also faster. And I would say that's because of the digital tools that we have to get familiar during the time and that we can use today also. So formerly it was like not possible to go or like it was possible not was not so usual to have like online conferences or have online meetings because everything was in person. And I think the COVID opened this uh, opportunities. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, there were pros and cons. I mean, we you, Martin, talked about uh, misunderstandings yeah. before. And um, this is also something that I experienced, um, you know, <laughs> if it, everything is only via email, <laughs> um, then there are, you know, more, there's more potential for misunderstandings. But then on the other hand, The advantage of having online conferences also uh, gave me access to conferences that I would not have been able to participate, um, you know, in the States or, you know, somewhere else on the world um, due to <laughs> the financial situation also. But so you could just, you know, have one online conference here and the next one <laughs> there. And so you were still kind of... Um, trying to keep track what's going on in your field at the moment, but it's a completely different experience, you know, not meeting people during the coffee breaks um, and, you know, all those opportunities that now have kind of um, started again with the in-person conferences of this year, I have mm -hmm. the feeling. I'll also say that Like it depends what, what you need from the conference or general from the meetings that nowadays it's really amazing that you can like cook in your kitchen and listen to the conference from America, which was formerly not so possible before. But if you like really need to solve some problem, you don't have the opportunity to talk or interact with the people in person, then it's horrible. And as you said, like this misunderstanding, that was also something which was pretty hard during the COVID because it was just like written email. So you get the messages, but you don't get away how they are like Uh, saying this information so that was also like pretty difficult I would say for all of us but nowadays I think we know which are the positive and negatives from the digital and personal conversation and we can use it wisely or in the way how we need it mm. yeah no one one of the issues that I also had other than this uh, misunderstanding was just 
nothing coming back like no reply uh from from the people that i tried to email um and and that was really really frustrating especially because there was no other way around it you know you weren't in the office so you couldn't go and knock at their door or whatever so when they would stop replying to you that that was quite a big issue absolutely i totally agree with you um that was hard uh it also happened to me of course and Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, there was one researcher I contacted a year ago and there was no reply. And then during the summer, I met this researcher and emailed her again. And, you know, I got an instant reply. So there is a difference. I mean, I don't want to generalize here, but um, it's it is different if, you know, you got to know someone in person um, versus online contact. Right. Yeah. And I also like think with this responsibility, I think it depends on the person. A lot of persons was like uh, replying immediately, immediately, and they wanted also that you reply immediately, what was not always the case. But another persons don't reply at all. And yeah, I, I, in my like mental <laughs> or in my setting, I do it so okay. If they don't reply, I do it by my own, which costs you like more energy and more effort. And sometimes you do this, and then you write the, your project to the person who should respond and they say, no, it's everything wrong. You need to rechange. But yeah, it costs more time, but gives you also the opportunity to do it as you want, not as the person told you. <laughs> and it depends also like what is the relationship. Then if they working as a team together, then it's okay. But if they like are too much authoritative or so, then uh, yeah, I think also like way how to deal with this kind of yeah, problem. Yeah, absolutely. You've tried to find a way around it and try to find creative solutions maybe also. Yeah, um, just going back to this uh, whole thing about people replying very enthusiastically or not replying. Like, um, how has your work-life balance been? Because when everything sort of merged together and, and you're doing home office, it It, everything seems to like blend together so people seem to reply at like midnight still working or not reply during the day like things have sort of been a little bit wishy-washy so how has your experience with that been like before i was also like kind of guy that replied immediately because i was like array so you need to do it like pretty like exactly and fast and perfect and so on and this bring me to the burnout And after therapy and so I recent, or I realized I need to have like time for myself. And there are also like things that yeah, if I couldn't sleep for the night and I was thinking about the problem, then I reply. But if I don't feel so, I reply the next day. And that's something which I need to learn during the time. But what is worth? And also like it changed also my expectations that before was like, okay, I'm replying and it's already two hours and then don't reply by back. They are like lazy or whatever. Now this I'm like really way more chilled mm -hmm. and Yet it's also like maybe related to the methods that I use that like meditation, have time for myself, have like uh, space for my head, just like to sit down and don't like meditate or just like let the um, mind processing what you are doing during the days. Or, so mm -hmm. I was also like going a lot of into the forest during the pandemic that before I was driving like because I'm living in the middle of Vienna that is like 20 minutes to the city center, 20 minutes to the forest. And for the pandemic, I was driving every day like into the city center to the university. And during the pandemic, I was driving to another way like to mm -hmm. the forest because uh, I would get mad. Yeah. yeah. How, how is it for you, Angelina, like this sort of merging of, of work and life in the same space? 
Yeah, it was um, weird. I learned a lot also from that, that I need to set boundaries um, and I don't have to um, answer every email um, within a second. Um, yeah, this is something that I've really learned and to also respect other people's boundaries, right? So I, it has to do, as you said, Martin, with expectations that we have you know, towards other researchers and, and, you know, we need this information right away. But we were all in this weird, you know, pandemic and um, it was the first time we had experienced this. So I, yeah, I tried to kind of make um, a routine and, you know, all my research was what happened actually in the same room um, in my bedroom and there is also my yeah my desk so it was very hard to kind of find a healthy way to this situation but then um, I just also um, did meditation yoga so I tried to find new places in my room even though it is very small but you know maybe I have the coffee on the sofa and not at the desk um, yeah so it's small things that can make a bit of a difference. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I have it in a similar way that I have like two tables in my home and then the one I was working like two hours and then I switched to another table with another computer like with my laptop and <laughs> so make this change. Absolutely and mm -hmm. it's you know those tiny little differences that um, for me at least made a huge you know impact on my mental health. <laughs> mm. No I, I bet I, I was very similar as well and then after we were finally able to go out and uh, you know the world opened up um, I don't know how it was for you guys but it felt really strange for me because as I said I started my PhD in the middle of the pandemic so all I have known is is sort of being online and presenting online and being on like online conferences and so on so when I went to my first in-person um, conference and the coffee break happened That was really strange to navigate because I didn't know if it was okay to just go up to strangers and just talk to them or what. So how is that for you guys being back to quote unquote normal? Yeah, so for me, I went to my first in-person conference again um, in June and it was amazing. I was able to, you know, network and talk about my project, get to know new projects and people and it was absolutely fascinating um, so that happened in Amsterdam where you know the COVID restrictions were not as bad as in Austria I remember um, so it was you know very strange to meet so many people um, at one spot um, but you know you get used to this so quickly that's actually quite um, yeah <laughs> terrible <laughs> but at the same time I, I felt safe and you know there were also um, safety regulations um, you were always able to wear the mask but it was you know kind of a shock to be honest uh, for my side it's like really hard question because I hope it will not not too much Buddhistic, but uh, it will just change the the environment change and is changing like every day and also like it was the crisis with the COVID and was the this the war and then it's like times that there is like no crisis and I I just like 
I would say live in the moment and I don't like differentiate so much between the the stuff like I, I do what I do and it feels good I'm happy it's <laughs> <laughs> like the most important thing just ride out the waves right that sounds uh that sounds very meditative very nice actually um one one more thing that I would like to talk about is uh the impact that COVID perhaps had on our social and professional network. So just touching upon my whole experience with the coffee break. Um, I must say the first coffee break, I, I really just stood there in the corner, <laughs> not talking to anybody. But then slowly I managed to get back and um, build uh, nice networks with, with the people uh, when I was there for the in-person conference. But this was not the case during the online conferences and meetings and so on. It was very, very hard to sort of build and maintain these networks. How was that for you guys? Yeah, so I think it also depends. If you present um, on a conference or a workshop or whatsoever, um, people approach you. But if you don't do that, you know, you just stand there or, you know, even though they have like those kind of break sessions in on Zoom, it's weird. It's very awkward. And also for, you know, established researchers, they were just, you know, <laughs> looking into the camera and, um, you know, waiting to be asked stuff. But still, it felt very weird. Um, but yeah, if you present, it's it's a bit different. I have the feeling because you get, you know, questions and um, maybe also hints, but then I was also lucky before because before my PhD I already was part of a working group, so I had um, a network already, and I tried to kind of um, reach out and take the opportunity of online um, conferences and workshops to kind of you know um, stick with that. Yeah, I would say like in my case, it was like. I would say it was more intensive the communication with with the person that I already know that I have like friend or also like sociologist and we are like calling each other once a week and during the time I think I had the bigger need to talk with him and he also and it was like nice exchange and something similar I have also like with my family and with the personal relationships that I couldn't talk to much people and I was like stuck in Vienna and my family was like in another country so I was like calling to them and it was like also nice time because it was like different. It was something special that we had like these WhatsApp conferences and nowadays I don't do this anymore. So that was like the one change and like the getting to new new people. It was pretty hard, but I also like during like one uh, session uh, which we have like on the Zoom, like met guys and say, OK, you're, it's interesting what you are doing. And then we get in touch. It was like just a few exchanges, but yeah, it, it was also possible, well, not like in the way like before, but yeah. True, yeah. I think I was also like yeah, in contact with friends of mine who were also doing their PhD from like, you know, other parts of the world. And via, you know, the digital tools, we were able to communicate and share our frustration, our experiences. And um, I was so frustrated that I myself kind of founded a peer group um, at my department. So... I think that was um, something positive also. It was also like pretty interesting is to say the international because we had also like PhD club and then was like pretty international. And during the COVID time, we was there like guys from Brazil, from Indonesia and so on. And nowadays after the COVID, it disappeared this network, which is also something that was like 
the special opportunity of the situation that we manage and we also like once in a month talk to each other. Absolutely, you're right. It actually disappeared kind yeah, of. it did. I, because I was about to say a lot of positive things came out of there like this and, and like us valuing these social interactions. But that is true. A lot of it has disappeared as well. Um, well, I mean, uh, I guess we could talk a little bit more about this. So, so now that I don't know if we can say that we have come out of COVID, but now that we are where we are, what do you guys think about maybe some of the newer things from COVID that we've taken on uh, into our normal life? So, for example, moving from like in-person meetings to hybrid meetings, for instance, how has that been for you guys? So I think it's um, nice to have this opportunity of hybrid meetings where you don't exclude people who are not in the same country, for example. Um, maybe also when we think of our climate crisis, um, it's good to not travel everywhere by plane or train or wherever. Um, so that's actually quite nice. But still, the in-person meetings um, give you also a lot of nice opportunities. I would also say that it depends on what kind of problem they want to solve with the pro person and how much they want to interact. That if you just like listen to and say like one question, like for the conference, if you are more in the passive way, then I really enjoy these digital tools. But if uh, we are like three people and we need to like really discuss some problem, then it's like hard for me to get into the Zoom because then get so much information is lost and the communication is also not so clear and yeah. But also I can understand that not everybody has the time for a meeting because the resources are limited. So it's like, yeah, we use what we can use. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's so convenient, right? To, you know, just click on a link and then you meet. You don't have to drive somewhere. And yeah, also time saving, I guess. Yeah. So um, maybe let's talk a little bit more about... Um, Now, like I said, we've come out of it. There's lots of new things we've learned. How has these uh, maybe new experiences um, shaped your PhD project a little bit? So uh, for Angelina's um, project, you said that you had to move uh, a lot of things around. So I assume that your time management skills and flexibility skills are amazing. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I think... Um, I really got more flexible. And, you know, if there is um, a setback, I try to maybe deal with it in a different way now because I also got more, you know, I mean, there was so much uncertainty um, that at some point it also changed the way you plan things. Um, so you don't really stick to it. And if, you know, your plan doesn't work out as you wished it would have, You don't, um, at least I, I'm not as frustrated anymore, I think. So I try to, you know, really focus on the solutions and, um, yeah, adjust to the situation, I guess. I would say in my case, it was not so much like with the flexibility, but I was getting really way more relaxed. But also to be able to do more what I feel like, to be more interesting. And I was also more able to do like these crazy stuff that I think if you have some problem or crisis, it gives you some opportunities. And you also need to be creative, as you said, and also like crazy enough 
to and brave enough to do the stuff which are not usual and which this special situation offer. And there was something which the pandemic was, or the last years, I would say, developing was giving me. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I really like this, that every crisis can be seen as an opportunity. Uh, so as we are nearing the end of our episode, I wanted to ask you guys what your main takeaways for for this has been um, in terms of uh, setbacks, challenges, and facing these challenges and overcoming them. What what would you guys want to sort of leave as a take-home message? Yeah, I mean, I've learned a lot from these setbacks. It's, you know, it's not the end of the world. Maybe also you focus what's more important in life also it's you know it's the the people that actually or yeah that you were not able to um see in person and and i've really appreciated this now and especially also like in academia with all the conferences that are now held in person now um it's yeah it's nice it's lovely i've i appreciate that a lot and yeah because of the difference um we've experienced it's yeah this is this is something that i i just really enjoy i would say i said already a lot of things during the interview but i think like the crises are coming going the opportunities and possibilities are also changing and i think like you, but it's cool to be like on the waves to not like stuck in this like i need to do this because i write it like before but the opportunities are changing and i can't do this anymore but look around what are the opportunities and be brave and cool enough to to do this yeah because then you are like on the wave and not like struggling through the waves <laughs> yeah, and as you said <laughs> be creative find you know different solutions there's not only one way yeah, be more um, to the goal <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> Yeah, and uh, if you face these challenges, perhaps also think this too shall pass. This episode was written and produced by Angelina Illis, IUKC, Nadine Riegler, Bernd Strom, Rasmus Wardemann and Georgia Zoglu. Editing and everything technical by Martin Pokorny and Nadine Riegler and I am IU, your host. Doctorate is brought to you by the Doctoral School of Historical and Cultural Studies and the Vienna Doctoral School of Social Sciences. It is created and produced by the School Fellows. 